0: This is the Roaring Elephant podcast, and we're back once more to talk about the Open Source Security Foundation, or OSSF, with David Wheeler. So, uh, shall we just get straight into it, Jan? Yep, I enjoyed the last episode very much, I hope
1: so did our listeners, and let's find out how this epic story ends.
0: All right, so I think we... We get to one of the core things that the Open SSF is involved in, which is the, a lot of the best practices that are mentioned. Um, now, these, these seem to be kind of pretty important, pretty critical technical initiatives that I would have thought with most organizations should already exist. But I'm guessing the fact that we're talking about this and the OpenSSF is focusing on this, that actually that's that's not the case as often as we would like, or maybe some of them exist, but not in a particularly ideal state. So what do, what do you think the delta is between, you know, what the OpenSSF uh, provides and, and what most organizations have in place today?
2: Um, I don't think that's an easy question to answer because I think organizations are all over the map. Um, you know, organizations and here I'm thinking about, you know, legal entities, uh, you know, companies and such and open source software projects, some which aren't legal entities, but, you know, nevertheless, you know, they, they do exist um, very all over. There are some projects and organizations which are, you know, are very much on the ball. They, they know about, and a lot aren't. I think one challenge is the massive growth in the number of software developers out there you know there's a lot of people are developing software who you know maybe have not even taken any university classes on how to do it or they took or they went to to university and they learned a little bit but you know, they don't they don't have a lot of experience um and even when you're working with somebody who has a little experience um you know they they have this in many ways the same problems you know they got they got thrown into the lake and told to told go swim uh but you know, they haven't gotten a lot of the resources and this is not a matter of being people being stupid. OK, this uh, these are not stupid people. These are smart people who not who often haven't been given the information that they really should have. And I'll, I'll fault the universities to some extent. And, and to be fair, as well as my LF job, I actually uh, teach part time at George Mason University on specifically how to develop secure software um, for most colleges developing how to develop develop secure software is either not part of the curriculum or if it is it's optional and when you think about today why is that optional that makes no sense that should be an absolute minimum table stakes to get a bachelor's degree it's not in general it's not it's certainly not a requirement or you know the, the if you look at say the uh, requirements for accreditation they'll mention hey you maybe you should use this word security once that's not teaching about security that's um, you know covering your you know that that's, you know covering your butt saying I mentioned the word that doesn't do any good uh, we actually have to teach it um, so you mentioned the open SSF oh, one of the first things the open SSF did uh, is release um, a set of uh, courses on how to develop secure software. Um, It doesn't take a lot of time. It's free. You can't beat that price. Um, If you wanna prove that you actually learned the material, there's a, it's on edX, and the way a number of edX courses work is, uh, the course itself to learn is free. If you wanna prove that you actually learned it, you can pay to take some tests and earn a certificate. Uh, But you don't have to take, get a certificate to learn the material. Um, We also post the uh, course materials on GitHub. If you wanted to reuse that material, say in some internal training course or something like that. But basically, if you haven't, if you're developed software and you haven't had a course on how to develop secure software, um, go take that course. Don't like that course? Take a different course. We don't care Uh, what we want is people to know how to develop secure software because in many ways, that's probably the most important thing. If if all the software developers knew how to develop secure software. A lot of other problems would kind of go away, okay <laughs> or at least far, at least be far reduced. Um, the vast majority of vulnerabilities are from a relatively small set of problems, but most software developers have not been told what they are. And unsurprisingly they make the same mistakes. Who, who would have thought? Now you, the, the best practices group has done some other things. Um, uh, OpenSSF pulled in various uh, existing projects. One of them is the CII Best Practices Badge, which I lead, um, and that is a set of criteria for how to develop software, open source software, and focusing particularly on how to develop secure software. Um, this was basically a result of a lot of uh, discussions and looking at book, you know, looking at books who who has written books on how to develop secure, how to develop software as open source software. Who are the leading projects who really try to do a good job developing secure software? And by looking at their practices, we boiled it down to a relatively small set of things you should be doing. And what's interesting is when you bring all that information from many, many different sources, you know, each different group has different good ideas. And when you bring them together, now you have a nice collection of good ideas. And... You know, if you're working on if you're working on develop if you're developing open source software, please work to on a badge. If you're thinking about using open source software, hey, see if they've earned a badge. Um, there's actually three levels passing silver, gold, but even getting the passing level is a big deal. So yeah, you know, we've been kind of focusing on just getting people to that passing level because if they're not even getting the passing level, then they're probably at a higher risk anyway. Now there's some other pro- projects the OpenSSF does as well um uh, we can kind of talk through them I, 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 you know, a, a number of them um there's a separate work called salsa which is focusing more on the integrity you know how, how what processes can we put in place so for to counter supply chain attacks beyond uh what's already there and some of these other things um there's also something called scorecards which works very hard to what can i measure completely automatically there are a lot of things that are important that you can't measure automatically the ci best practices badge focused on what's important but sometimes you don't get to choose i've got a project I'm, i i need to i think i need to use this project if it's plausible at all what are the risks here the scorecards is working on what can we measure automatically to help figure out uh risks for that and that can be really really helpful information so you know, th- that's just a couple of the projects within the open ssf um and you know they, they're basically working towards trying to make the world better by improving the security of the open source software we all depend on
0: very nice very nice so you mentioned the cii and in mm-hmm. much of the sort of conversation around mm-hmm. the OpenSSF, there are multiple mentions of both cii and also ossc which it sounds like both of those projects have basically been folded now into uh, the OpenSSF, like, did what was this? What was this kind of background there? Did, did did they did the projects kind of fail? Did they not deliver, or was it was it more of a case of there was there were there were more kind of common threads there that it just made sense to roll into a single initiative?
2: Uh, I I think it's much more the rolling into a single initiative makes much more sense. And you're right, you broke the code there, uh, the CII and, and on these other actually two other groups all got merged into this this larger thing um I think there were some um, the the CII um actually did a lot of good work um but um I think uh st- structurally they they, you know, they they made some decisions early on that I think they're going eh, maybe we shouldn't have done that like you know they we wanted they wanted to make sure that everybody um was on board and so if i recall correctly it required um unanimous votes to get anything done i don't know how many i don't know who thought that was a good idea but let me tell you getting unanimous agreement on anything is hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah um and and i think the broader issue though was that uh there were a number of folks involved in the cii but other companies had gotten involved with other groups and it's like it was be much better if we could find a way to get everybody on the same page and what's strange is that almost all these different groups, they were all already members of the Linux Foundation and that they'd formed um, independent groups and go, you know what, let's just put it all together. Let's all work together. Um, and I think it made sense. And so you um, know, And so the Open SSF was formed um, as essentially merging in and bringing in these different uh, or- organizations. Um, and I think that's been a good move now. One of the challenges that the OpenSSF had, and this was not really the uh, uh, you know, the, the discussions had been going on for some time, but you may have heard of this, this thing called a pandemic. <laughs> uh, just a little bit, okay. yeah. I, there was something registers, yeah, yeah. So, so it turns out that starting up a new group is harder during a pandemic. Who would have thought? And 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 these early discussions were just when the pandemic was starting. And uh, it was very, very difficult to get at the time when the pandemic was first starting to grow in. Nobody knew what the economy was going to look like, uh, for, for, for good reasons. And so at the time, there was an agreement with the opening. Okay, open SSF. We're going to start it. We're we're going to put in some funds. The LF put in some funds. Some other organizations put some funds up to do some things. Uh, but uh, they weren't going to have membership fees because nobody knew what they could commit to. Um, and, but the, the intent was always that eventually there was going to be membership fees. And right now, by the way, that, that's the transition that's finally happening is the expectation is that they're going to switch over to a, hey, we would love members, there'll be a membership fee. And the a, advantage of annual membership fees is that that gives them suddenly money, much more money to actually go and do things. One of the things they really want to do is identify critical projects and go in and create pull requests or merge requests but you know depending on the systems that they use um, to make improvements to really important pieces of software to fix vulnerabilities to harden them up Uh, but that requires uh, real investments Um, so those kinds of activities which are going to require more funding um uh, they're basically getting ready they're working doing research right now to help better identify critical projects but some of that work is going to have to wait until they have a, a larger and stable funding stream and you know and, and that makes sense you, you know you, you walk before you run especially during a pandemic
0: yeah. yeah yeah no that makes makes a lot of sense i mean the one of the things i would say so obviously there's quite a lot of work and our audience can go and if they're interested can definitely go and take a look at uh, a lot of the best practices like those seem to be pretty advanced and you know very well thought out from I've spent a bit of time in this space before and a lot of the concepts used here are pretty familiar to me and of course you mentioned the edx courses Um, you know there's a lot of a lot of good material there that's that's starting to help people move in the right direction Uh, but you know what's the what's next for the OpenSSF? What are the the next areas that that the, the the team wants to focus on, and what's the the next kind of
2: steps for adoption that side of things? Well, I think I've already mentioned one, which is this transition from the uh, no fee because we're, <laughs> nobody knows what things are going to look like in pandemic to a, a fee uh, um, a membership fee, um, and. Uh, being able to go and fund specific work for now, there's no way the OpenSSF can fund all projects. I mean, that that is not that is not reasonable. Um, but uh, the expectation is that there's a much smaller set of really critical projects, which, if we can get some people doing security audits uh, to really look in for problems and then go fix both problems, well, actual vulnerabilities but also just hardening things so that future maintenance is less likely to introduce vulnerabilities um the is that's going to help as well as and there's already some work on uh, additional work trying to uh find ways to kind of help the larger set of projects that they won't be able to do uh kind of that very focused work on um let's see as far as other things to go um uh, they've already developed a kind of a draft. What's they call Merch, uh, metrics dashboard? Uh, go to metrics.openSSF.org and type in the name of a project. Um, if it's got data on it, it'll share some data about it. Um, I know they'd like to improve that. Uh, they're already talking with some other folks within the Linux Foundation and, and outside uh, to make improvements there. Um, so, I, one of the thing broader things though, I'll appeal though, is that fundamentally. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with how the Linux Foundation works, so maybe I should give the quick, the, the yeah, thirty-second
0: yeah. explanation. Quick, by all means, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. by all means, so, a quick intro would be great.
2: Yeah, so the Linux Foundation is is in, in, an interesting beast. Um, you know, it's essentially a foundation that creates foundations. You know, from a from a legal spect- perspective, it, there is just one legal entity. I believe the Linux Foundation, but what. It, then does it says hey here's a big problem that a lot of folks want to r- work on let's create a foundation to resolve that and inside the foundation there can be a number of, of projects of uh, things for developing software specs you can have working groups to try to work out uh, a number of different things um and so basically it creates foundations that's kind of it's it's modeled generally there's a fee and you join it and now you're you you get to uh you know, the, and and so on. The uh, open from that perspective, the open source security foundation is just, it's another foundation. This one happens to focus on the security of open source software, uh, but it, it's still a foundation. Um, and the reason I mentioned all this as background is, you know, what will the open SSF do in the future? And the correct answer is, whatever the members decide to do. <laughs> OK, uh, you know, it's, you know, um, and you don't even have to be a formal member if all you want to do is show up on a project and propose a patch, you know, propose an improvement to it. You don't even have to be a member. Just show up and propose it. Um, you know, patches uh, 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 patch is welcome. Uh, the uh, but really, that's the best way to to um, to influence what the OpenSSF does and doesn't. From that perspective, I'm a fun- fundamentally a subject matter expert. I am there to help the members, you know, uh, you know, as they work out. Well, you know, you know, what can you do? Well, here, here I've, I'll talk to a bunch of bunch of you, make a, help you make lists, and I'll help you look at the pros and cons. But in the end, I'm there to help the members be successful uh, in you know, developing and improving the security of uh, open source software. I lead certain projects within it, but overall I am there to support the membership of the OpenSSF with the broader goal of making the software we all depend on secure.
0: I mean, it sounds like there's a, uh, you know, there's an almost, um, like incredible variety of different areas that the OpenSSF could sort of progress into. That's going to make it quite, uh, or is that I guess going to make it difficult to sort of understand. You know what what does success look like for the OpenSSF? You know what you know because there are so many different avenues, so many different areas that you could explore. You know, uh, uh, what where, how do you know? When sort of uh, when you're trending in the right direction, because I'm sure you'll get a huge variety of different uh, thoughts and feedback on on what people would like to see next.
2: Uh, fair enough. And in, in fact, we've I, we have had and are currently having discussions very much, you know, on that very vein. You know, what does success look like? Uh, and part of the problem is actually a fundamental problem, problem weakness within the security community. That's been true for uh, as long as we've had computers. We don't have a good way to measure security. What you, what a lot of people say when they first hear about security is, oh, how many pounds of security is that? (laughs) Okay. Um, Please convert to kilograms if (laughs) if you're outside the US. Um, But, you know, it would be great if we had a nice, Clear, um, nice scientific way to measure—you know—exactly how, uh, how to, you know, how secure something is. We don't have that. We do. We do have the ability to hire humans to do security audits. We can run tools to look for certain classes of vulnerabilities that may find some of them, and sometimes they'll be correct. Um, but we don't have a simple way to measure—you know—how many kilograms or pounds. Uh, or slugs, I have uh, security there are, uh, but that does not mean that you can do nothing. I don't, I, I, I agree with uh, W. Edwards Deming, who basically noted that, you know, you know, famous statistician and yet, um, not everything that's important is measurable, um, you know, or at least not directly measurable. Um, I think there's a lot of indirect measures that we can use to help us help give us the idea, are we going in the right direction or not? Yes, they're indirect, but I don't have a practical way of doing a direct measure. People have worked for decades with basically no success. Very, very hard. We we, we know we want to measure and can't measure it. We have a lot of measures that are, in fact, very indirect and often aren't what we want. Okay, but can we find ways to identify measures that give us a suggestion that things are on the right path? So for example, um, yeah, I mentioned the edX course. We have, if you total them up between the three courses, because people can, there are actually three courses and people can sign up for them independently. Uh, We have over 4,000 registrants and we keep getting more. Um, The CI best practices badge has over uh, 400 participants. Uh, I, I can even send you a link for the stats that we track uh but you know let's see here today uh let's see well uh, i have over we have four over four thousand participating projects and over 600 p- projects with at least a passing batch so um you know so it, does that tell you that everything is perfect no but what this gives you is um evidence that things are progressing and i think that that's what we're, because we don't have that idealized measure that doesn't mean that we must give up. Instead, what we've got to do is find out, well, okay, what is the evidence that we can find that will help us determine if we're going the right direction or not? And I think those measures, for example, uh, do give us um, some evidence that indeed people are taking the stuff that the OpenSSF has done, they're using it, things are getting applied, things are getting used. Um, And I've even gotten some specific stories Some people don't like stories because, well, that's not doesn't have a number attached. Well, but you know, stories that tell you what's actually happening in many ways are more important than a number. So we have projects who said, hey, we worked on say getting a badge. I'll I'll use that because that's front of mind. And here are the changes we made, and as a result, we know things are better. OWASP ZAP didn't have tests, uh, automated tests. They knew they should, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. Oh, we want a badge. You have to have automated tests to get a badge. All right, we'll implement automated tests. And once they implemented automated testing, oh man, I wish we'd done that years ago. <laughs> we're, so glad. We're, we're so glad you gave us a reason that you needed to to do the things you know, because most the CI best practices badge for the main part you read them and go. Oh yeah, I should do that. And we have rationale that explains why uh, the criteria are there, but. Um, you know, what we want to see is the projects going, yes, we did that. We're glad we did that. We can see the improvements. Um, and so that plus these other quantitative measures, I think, give us, they're not the idealized measure maybe you would like to see, but it's what we can do today. And it at least gives us reasonable evidence that we're heading at least plausibly in the right direction. I, one of the things I
0: think is like, particularly challenging uh, when you're talking about measuring and security, I, I couldn't agree more with the the, the the thoughts that you shared. But one of the challenges that you often see is many of the things that people use to measure security are all lagging indicators. You know, how many data breaches were there last X? How many how many times was certain you know were vulnerabilities found in software package y you know how many um, you know buffer overflow problems were there in you know package z and you know so on and so forth and they they're all sort of things that happen after the fact and there are so there are a couple but there are so few things that you can actually meaningfully measure and and test for that are sort of that are not trailing indi- uh, indicators and, and finding those leading indicators that actually show that you're moving in the right direction is, is incredibly, uh, incredibly important.
2: I, I agree that a lot of them are lagging indicators. And not only are a lot of them lagging indicators, they're often misleading indicators. For example, if, some, if you find a lot of vulnerabilities in software, does that mean it has a lot more vulnerabilities than others? Or does it mean that really um, smart, knowledgeable people are spending a lot of extra time looking for the vulnerabilities? Very often, yeah. it's the latter. You know, it's, you know, I'm looking under the lamp and I'm finding more grass here. Therefore, there's no grass outside the lamp. <laughs> we know better than that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and yet we, but the, the, a lot of people run and they see, I can get a number. That must be what I'll use for my to make decisions. Um, you have to be very aware, aware when you use the metrics, the limitations of those numbers. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think right now what's way more important is things is, I guess, broader process and and education changes. You know, I, I you know, people, process, technology is one way to group things out. You know, first of all. Let's help make sure our software developers know how to develop secure software. In my mind, that's actually in many ways the most important things. Our universities in general are failing us. Our accreditation systems have already failed us. Uh, I I I was I worked for over 10 years trying to get some of the accreditation systems to care about security. And I have to admit, I gave up because they don't care. Maybe they care now. Uh, but at least at the time when I was trying to make changes, um, there was no interest um, they're much, much more interested in teaching about things that no software developer will ever do instead of the things that a software developer might actually use. Um, and that sounds rather harsh, but it's I think there's evidence for, for it. So I think I think universities can and some universities are doing a lot better than that um, by making sure that people who graduate actually do have an idea about how to develop secure software. Next up, changes to software development. Um, If you don't have a CI pipeline in your software development project, uh, that's a mistake. Go fix that problem first. (laughs) Okay, you know, basically when you make a change, there should be a whole bunch of automated tests and a whole bunch of tools to analyze your changes to look for problems so that you can immediately identify them or relatively immediately identify them, fix them before they go out. and those tools should include, as I mentioned, automated tests. They should also include uh, analysis tools like static analysis tools, dynamic analysis tools. There's various tools that can help find vulnerabilities. Uh, some developers may complain, but sometimes it's wrong. It's true. Some uh, auditors may say, but sometimes they miss vulnerabilities. That's true too. That doesn't change anything, okay? These two, tool- a collection of tools can help reduce the number of vulnerabilities that get out to the end users and that is uh, critical for those folks who are going to be stuck with our software that we develop
0: got it got it well I really appreciate the the intro to open SSF you've been able to give us um, before we wrap up is there anything you know really important that you think we've missed anything that uh, that we didn't hit on that the audience should know about
2: uh, I, I'm sure I'll think of 20 more things as soon as we uh, k- kind of ha- hang up, as it were. Uh, but let me just kind of um, k- kind of uh, m- mention a, a couple things uh, quickly in passing. Um, you know, I. I uh, Let's see here. If First of all, if you are developing um, software, as I mentioned, you know make sure that you get your CI pipeline set up with a whole lot of changes, learn how to develop, get a badge, I mentioned that. Um, I w- another really key thing is monitoring for known vulnerabilities in your dependencies. Uh, because nowadays, software builds another software, which builds another software. And we need to keep, you know, when a vulnerability is found in some of the subcomponents underneath, we need to rapidly update through. I already mentioned checking what you depend on before you. Um, uh, be, be <clears throat> before you bring it in, because it might be a type of squatting attack. Um, I think it's super critical for developers to make it easy to update. Um, you know, there's way too. Oh, I can't do that security update because that changes the API. So I'm stuck with this old, old minute, Why did they change the API? Was that really all that, you know, important? Uh, I think developers need to continuously improve. Just you're, you're always going to be, uh, you know, the attackers are always going to get better, so you need to uh, keep up on your game. Um, we've already mentioned SPDX. Um, I'm sure there's some other things that uh, that can come on, but I think really, if nothing else, if you've got questions, or if you're curious about the stuff, go to its website. If you want to chat to me or chat with me and ask me about something, um, I'm at dwheeler at uh, linuxfoundation.org. Uh, shoot me an email. I will. I can't promise to, to know all things, but if it's relevant to this, I'd love to uh, make things better. Fantastic. Well,
0: really appreciate your time today, David. It's been... Great chatting to you and, and finding out more about the OpenSSF. I think mean, it's a it's a really interesting initiative that's doing really, really good work. That the uh, you know the challenges we have in this space are only getting more uh, yeah, more challenging as as time progresses for, for folks to deal with software's becoming more complicated, solutions are becoming more complicated. Uh, and therefore trying to secure these things is also becoming more complicated so anything that we can do to help that whole uh, whole process be a little bit smoother and easier for people sounds like a a great plan to me so great talking to you really appreciate your time and uh, yeah thanks so much
2: my pleasure get those uh, members in (laughs) <laughs> yes, please. You know, please uh, join. Join the uh, like any foundation. More members is, the be- is better. So please, if if your organization is interested in joining, uh, please join. And if you're an individual, you as I said, you don't need to join it in order to contribute. Uh, you may look and find some little small thing that would be helpful. Uh, you know, even just a comment. Hey, what about doing this instead of why? Or you'd be much more effective if you did this. Um, they absolutely take uh it, you know, file an issue file pull requests uh merge requests whatever um uh they're they're very interested in, in hearing what others have to say fantastic
0: great stuff well thank you david uh take care and hope to speak to you again soon yes thank you so very much
1: bye and with that that's the end of our discussion with david wheeler I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did because uh, I didn't talk a lot. But I learned a lot, which is also a good thing.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's, uh, there's definitely a lot happening in this space. And necessarily
1: so as well. I mean, you just heard David talk about it. Let's not rehash it all again. <laughs> Big thank you to David for joining us on the you Roaring Elephant podcast and offering his wisdom and insights to our listeners and to us. And unless you have anything else to add? Nope. That's all for me. Then that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution does help us a lot. We're on YouTube. Like, subscribe, watch a video or two always helps as well. You can also go to www.RoaringElephant.org. You have links there to the Patreon page, to the YouTube infra, uh, page and other information about the podcast. You can send email to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. And occasionally you can find me on Twitter using the RoaringElephant tag. With, that's, with all that said. We'll see you again next time. My name is, I'm sure I'm not secure, Jon.
0: (laughs) And my name is,
1: I'm still secure, Dave. And that's how we compliment each other. And we look forward to talking to everybody again next week. Goodbye. See you then.